how are people gonna respond to me when my CGM alerts me? Has that ever been a thought that's crossed your mind? Whether you're in school, or whether you're at work, or whether you're in social situations, being self-conscious about your CGM alerts and alarms is really common. But for some people, that concern and that anxiety can paralyze them. They're worried about what people will think about them, what the response will be, and if they'll get the support that they need if and when their alert and alarms go off. Welcome to the Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast that teaches you how to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. When you learn to build your stress management sailboat correctly, you will have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. In this episode of the podcast, we're talking about the sails of the sailboat, which is your mindset. Lauren's son, Matthew, is really concerned about what other people will think about him in his classroom if and when his CGM alarm goes off. He's worried about his classmates, he's worried about his teachers, and so he ignores his CGM alarm, which is causing all kinds of problems for him with diabetes as well as in his family. In this episode of the podcast, I coach Lauren on how she can support Matthew in thinking about his alarms a little differently, and especially testing how other people respond to him when his alarm goes off. Because most of the time, our concerns are overblown, and I have a feeling Matthew's are as well. We also talk about some diabetes hacks that Matthew can use in order to get alerts and alarms a little bit more discreetly on his pump as well as on his phone. If you've ever had concern about how others react to you around your diabetes, or if you're a parent of a child with type of diabetes, this episode is for you. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really happy that you're here. And I'm excited to talk, talk to a parent of a child with diabetes and talk about how you can support him and how he can support himself in um, his life with type of diabetes. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little about you and your son, Matthew. Well, thank you, Mark, for having me. Um, I'm very excited to be doing this. Um, I am uh, Lauren Kamika. I'm a parent of a type 1 diabetic who was diagnosed at 15 months of age. He is now 13, um, and we are having a lovely time navigating uh, things like middle school and so hormones and exercise and stress and how that all affects our diabetes with a child who also happens to be asymptomatic. Um, so it does tend to get quite a bit of um, uh, unpredictable, so to speak. <laughs> so even yeah. though diabetes said- itself is unpredictable. Yeah. And when you say asymptomatic, you mean with low blood sugar. So he's he's not feeling his Yes, Low or high. Um, So he's never really had any significant differentiation between low or high. Wow. Okay. And has he ever had any any problems, any any really highs and being being DK or been low and needed assistance? Luckily, we have not had any incidents with DKA. Um, I did catch uh, the diagnosis fairly early, having been a pediatric nurse. So I did pick up on the signs early. Um, and uh, we did, though, however, have um, a few, a couple of instances where we've had some um, hypoglycemic seizures. Um, okay. A couple prior to getting on an insulin pump, um, where they were just some mild, a little bit of convulsions, um, which 
I'm not going to lie, those were scary, but blood sugars of 20 and 25 because we were doing injections. Um, And then once, um, two years ago, we were in um, the Outer Banks for a vacation and I was treating a low of uh, 49. He was sitting at the table doing just fine. Um, We were on our way up and he then ended up having a seizure as well on the way up. Um, So... Yeah, we've had a couple of those, a few scary things, a few scary lows, but uh, luckily, knock on wood, <laughs> no DKA. Yeah, well, and as a parent, that must be terrifying to be seeing there, sitting there and watching your child go through that and trying to treat him um, in the best way possible. I can't imagine how, how scary that would be for you. Some ways, yes, it is scary if I look at it as a parent. However, when these things have happened, I've actually jumped into nurse mode and that adrenaline pulls me through. And then once it hits and I realize what's actually going on, then it is a bit scary. Um, but as of now, he has been diagnosed with, with a seizure disorder because we did have an incidence where he had a seizure in the orthodontist chair last year. Um, trying to get his braces on. Um, and his sugar was actually high. It was over 200. Um, so that's still a lovely effect as well. Yeah. So I know that Matthew's not here with us today, uh, to, to put in his, uh, two cents to get coaching here, but I want to hear from you as to, you know, him going through middle middle school, trying to navigate, um, both the blood sugar management, as well as I would imagine some embarrassment and some self-consciousness about diabetes. What is the biggest challenge that he's having? And what's the biggest challenge that you're having? And how can we help you today in this coaching session? The biggest challenge really is to get him to be not as self-conscious with the the, the notifications, uh, with communicating with myself as well as the school nurse, because he is embarrassed being in class with a phone out on his okay. desk or um, any alarms going off, um, is reluctant to treat in the classroom, also does not want to miss class and go down to the nurse's office. So we're trying to find a happy medium. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you have any sense about what is so scary and what's so aversive for him about letting somebody know or treating his low blood sugar during class? He said, everybody stares at me. They all just stare at me. And I said, well, because it's an alarm going off. If the fire alarm went off, they would also start staring. They, if the, you know, if a bird started flying in a window, they're going to start staring. They're going to stare at anything that happens. Um, I said, but they all understand what's going on. And mm-hmm. the teachers are aware. Cause then he says, my teacher's going to get mad. I'm not supposed to have a phone on my desk. I said, well, actually you are allowed the phone on your desk. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So it's a lot of, he's a very much a rule follower when it comes to school. And so he doesn't want, he wants to blend in, not stick out. Um, Yeah. We tried weighing out the pros and cons and said, if you don't treat in the classroom, you have to go to the nurse. He said, but I don't want to miss class. But then if you don't want to go to the nurse, you can then treat in the classroom. So. Yeah. So I'm just like, it's a tough one. Circle of, of discussion. Right. And yes. he's not feeling his lows. And so there's not any negative consequences to not treating then at least it, 
fit for him physically in the moment. He's not getting confused or sweaty or bringing attention to himself in other ways. That must be super challenging for him to actually want to or be willing to go and and do that, bring it, bring attention to himself. Or at least that's his perception. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so let me ask you, let, let me ask you as, because I, I want to focus on him and give you some ways that you can support him. But I want to hear, also hear from you as to how this situation is impacting you on a regular basis and how, it, how is the stress of his challenges translating to you and your, your emotional health? Well, specifically during school hours, um, it is very difficult to get anything done because I'm in constant contact with the nurse. Um, she wants a screenshot of what his sugar is. She wants to know. Um, and so it's almost like every hour I'm sending a screenshot of my Dexcom app and showing her where it is. And then she's in contact with me. What should we do? How should we, you know, and it's a continuous thing. So I don't really get much of a break when he's at school either. (laughs) Um, and because, there's always something different, even though you do the same thing every day. He has the same carbs for lunch. He has the same carbs for breakfast, but sugars are never always the same, whether they're doing something different in gym. And so then she says, well, what should we do here? And should we make any changes? And it's always a continual communication. So it's not just for lunch, right? It's not just after PE. It's the whole day. And yeah. It's, you know, getting to the point where he's missing so much class that he's falling behind in work. Um, and it's starting to pile, right? The emotions and then the stress and what have you. So then that carries home. Then we're doing homework, extra work, going in early or staying after. Um, mm-hmm. And the effects of that just linger, right? If we could have like a nice plan of execution, then diabetes almost takes a little bit more of a backseat. We put something else a little in the front, if that makes sense. Isn't that the goal for all of us is to make diabetes, in, put a diabetes in the backseat, at least in the passenger seat and let it ride along, but not, not drive the car. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, or, or even, yeah. Or even just make it so that it doesn't truly define him at this point. It's like just mm-hmm. something, it's just something else he has versus the whole, uh, the whole being. Yeah. You know, and do you, do you feel that that's how he defines himself or that allow how he allows himself to be defined? Yes, that, and, um, he's also happens to be quite small for his age. Um, and he's also in some special education classes. So it's kind of, He's, okay. It's now just coming to fruition where he realizes mm-hmm. that this is actually happening. So it, it, because I think middle school is just tougher and the, the kids are just a little, you know, a little rougher. Um, but it's really more about when, if the nurse comes to his classroom or things like mm-hmm. that, that's where all the attention is around the diabetes itself. Yeah, it's it sounds like for him, it's this one more thing piled on, and it's almost it's the, the diabetes becomes a straw man that breaks a camel's back because it's I'm small, I'm having trouble in school, and then there's a the diabetes thing, and that's the easy thing to blame, and he's and and also the easy mm-hmm. thing to ignore for him. 
Yeah. Exactly. What have you tried? And what, and what those alarms are loud. Oh, yes, they are. So what have you tried with him that's been helpful um, and or that has not worked um, so far in helping him to manage this type of stress? The um, the one thing is, I mean, we've we've definitely done therapy. Um, we've definitely discussed and um, you know had him reassured even by the school counselor. Everything's fine. You're not going to be in trouble if any alarms go off or or anything like that. And they've been good at as far as helping us catch up on schoolwork if we're missing class. But it's more of um, even the principal pulled him in and said, "You're not going to be in trouble if you leave the the." phone out on the desk and um and then in addition when he does communicate we reward and praise him how this is great and when he does advocate for himself or or what have you we we make a big deal over it right so that it is more reinforcing the um results we would like um and and then really just asking him you know, what, what do you want out of class, right? What do you want to do during the day? What kind of things do you think would work? Um, and so he's come up with a few, but then not necessarily stuck to it because if somebody makes a comment or looks at him in class and he's like, oh, it didn't work. And I just want to like give him a big hug and be like, we can do this. Let's try again. You know, it worked great for a while. And then all of a sudden, one time it doesn't work. And then that's it. Yeah. And so, you know, my go-to response to you and, and my go-to piece of advice to you, which I'm not just going to work here, um, it could, because if he, if he were an adult, I would say, you know, what we really need to work on and what we, we need to help Matthew work on is distress tolerance. So being able to be uncomfortable to feel embarrassed and to, to feel all of these things, but to still be able to move in the direction that I want to go, because I know it's important to me. Um, and, but I think that in, from my experience, feeling just dist- having distress tolerance, being able to handle uncomfortable situations, that is a, it is a, a sign of maturity. It's something that, that ha- does not happen, you know, when you're in middle school, especially in middle school, it can be really hard. And that's something that happens in high school, in high school and beyond. Um, but I, but I'm really glad that you guys are focusing on asking him what he wants, you know, because I think that without a direction, without knowing, you know, where he wants to be able to go, whether it's, you know, to be able to fin- you know, be in class and to be able to learn or whether it's he wants to be able to, you know, be normal and, and to feel normal. Those are all really important things for him to be able to identify, um, because that can help him to have a direction to move in and to help him to see that diabetes management is part of that process in order to get to where he wants to be uh, there there are some check boxes he has to check around his diabetes and treating his lows and treating his highs and all of the above i mean in order to get there and that can give him a destination to go to definitely but I, definitely but i I'm also aiming. think but I, yeah go ahead oh no no i'm i'm aiming for the um the idea that he can see when he does do something that even though it may not work perfect it's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. And I think that, exactly. And I think that, I think that you, that advice is perfect for, for him because, you know, when we talk about having a goal or I, I call it having a mission in your life with diabetes. And, and what I say is that the mission that you have doesn't matter. You can want to be the first astronaut with diabetes on the moon, or you can want to be, you know, 
you can want to finish your homework tonight. It, it, the, the mission is irrelevant. What's important is that you have one because the goal is not actually to achieve the mission today or tomorrow or even next year. It is every day, take a step to get closer to that mission. And what can we do for him today, even if it's the smallest step possible, um, to have him a, at least a little bit closer to that place? Um, you know, and whether that's bringing his alarm up or down, you know, by five points, or whether that is um, being willing to text you during class or text the nurse during class and ask her a question, things like that are, I think, are extremely helpful in helping him to gain self-confidence, but also, more importantly, to help him gain traction in seeing that he can move forward and towards the goal that he's setting for himself. Yes, yes. But I also want to challenge you and and encourage you to also help him to um, see how his mindset is impacting him and how and how what is what he's experiencing is impacting his perception of the world um, because let's be honest if if you're in middle school or for that matter if you're an adult in a business meeting and your dexcom alarm goes off um you know i'm not sure what other people are going to think but i know that for me if my if that ha- when that happens to me because it does um i feel self-conscious I may feel a little embarrassed. I may ha- feel like I have to explain myself or I don't want people looking at me or I, have, I perceive that people are looking at me. And that's the, that is a reality. Not that people are looking at me or, they, or they're looking at him, but that, that he feels that way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then that, kind of, that triggers kind of a, a, a snowball of, of a reaction. And my question for him and for you is how can we help him to reframe that mindset and, and rewrite that story to be more helpful. I talk to people with type 1 diabetes every day. And every day is clear to me that people at T1D need a plan. They need a plan to follow to manage the emotional burden of living with diabetes. Without a plan to manage stress, life with diabetes is overwhelming. You feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose and you have no idea how to feel steady on your feet and find the peace of mind you're looking for. You feel like diabetes takes away your freedom to live a normal life. A plan to manage the emotional burden of T1D is very simple. There are five frameworks you need to know. And if you know these five frameworks, you have a plan for how to deal with any stress diabetes throws your way. With this plan, you'll be clear about what you're doing right now and what you need to do next. That's exactly what you get when you join Live Free with T1D. At Live Free with T1D, I coach you to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain. The hull of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management. The sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support system. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll be sailing smoothly with type 1 diabetes. All of that is part of the plan that's available to you when you join Live Free with T1D. Plus, as part of Live Free with T1D, I host a live coaching event every month where you get access to me and have the opportunity to ask me questions and even get personalized coaching. To join Live Free with T1D, go to www dot the diabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. 
Join other people with type 1 diabetes just like you who have a plan to find peace of mind and freedom in their lives with type 1 diabetes. So imagine that someone's walking down the street. Outside, this is nothing to do with diabetes. They're walking down the street or at the mall, and um, there is a a boy with purple hair. Um, You know, you may look at him once and say, wow, that boy has purple hair. That's kind of weird. Or, you know, oh, I like that purple hair or anything in between. Um, And then you keep going and you probably a minute later, you probably are onto something very different than the purple hair. You noticed it and and then you moved on. Um, And I bet for him in the the real experience of of this classroom, yes, of course, when his alarm goes off, he's feeling self-conscious and he may feel like everyone's staring at him and maybe everyone is. Um, unlikely, but maybe. Um, but I think that the the challenge that he has is that he feels that that staring lasts for a very long time, and that they're thinking about him and thinking about that experience not only in in that moment, um, but five minutes later, ten minutes later, an hour later, a week later. And mm-hmm. if that's if that were if that were true, then I would be very hesitant to have my desk come go off go, alarm go off during class. And I think you would you would too if you had diabetes, right? Because if my desk come along going off right now is going to be impact me in a year because people are still going to be thinking about that, well, then that's a whole different story. But the reality is, is that the the alarm goes off. Yes, people it may people may turn and look, may people may stare. Um, but what happens after that? And what's and and what's the difference between what actually happens and the story that he's telling himself about what happens and helping him to see that. That is not they're, they're, they, what he the story he's telling himself may not be in line with the reality, and I you know I, I can, can all, see I, we've had that yeah 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 and we've had an had experience well in in um, I think it was for first grade um, unfortunately we we did have one teacher where it was she she was not um, exactly tolerant she had a few bad days um, and and. If the alarm would go off, she would usually just say, oh, and she would stop the class and say, mm-hmm. Matthew, uh, you, you need to take care of this. And mm-hmm. it, it was ingrained in him that, oh, my gosh, this bothers everybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he thinks that she got mad. Um, yeah. We've since tried to, you know, reprogram that and say, no, no, it, it's okay. And plenty of teachers have come up and said, it's oh, totally fine, you know no one's going to get ah, you you're all good um but it's still kind of stuck in there so it's very difficult and of course of when you're in middle school you think everybody's staring at you for anything you know if you get a, a pimple sure. or whatever you think everybody's like no it's right there um right. so it's hard to just say don't worry they're not worried about it afterward right um so instead i've you know tried to come up with like ways where you could say like you know ah you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to explode. Everything's cool. Don't worry about it. Like mm-hmm. make kind of, jo- you know, a few jokes about it, but he's not up mm-hmm. for that just yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I wonder if something else you could try with him is asking him if, if there's ever been somebody else in his class who he has stared at or he has, um, you know, noticed because they've done something. I remember I'm thinking back to when I was in that, that age, I remember I was walking down the uh, the hallway of my school and I, I literally ran into a telephone pole 
I, 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 did, I didn't see it. Like I was, my head was turned and I, and I turned around and I, I, I literally did that. And then, I mean, I didn't, it hurt pretty badly, but, and people laughed at me for sure. Um, and, but then, you know, I'm sure that the next day no one remembered it. And, and but it, but in my mind, it's, it's, it sucked there. Right. I mean, so, but if you could imagine, if ask him if there's ever been a situation where somebody else has been embarrassed, where he has noticed them at school. Um, and maybe they've been embarrassed for good reason or for a, a reason that is bigger than a death come alarm. And then ask him, how long has that, has that thought about that person lasted for you? Um, was it kind of, oh yeah, that's weird. And then moved on or did it last for days and weeks and months and kind of help him to see that context. I know that it can be hard to change mm. that context because you think you, you, we, t- we tend to take these things much more personally for ourselves than we do for other people. But kind of helping him to rewrite that story and say, wow, you know, that this, maybe what's happening is not actually what you're perceiving is happening. And but doing it in a way that he can understand because it's something that he's experienced on the outside as opposed to on the inside could be a helpful, a helpful way of approaching it. Definitely. That is a good example, because I'm sure, I mean, he has told a few stories of things that, you know, have gone on in the classroom or whatever. And he was, oh, funny story this or funny story that. It'd be like, okay. But did you remember it's it the next school. day? I'm, I'm, yeah, it's middle school. I'm sure there's lots of funny stories. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, the question, the important question here is, is did you remember it the next day? Because the story he's telling himself is, if this happens to me today, then tomorrow and the next day and the next day, it's going to be, people are going to continue staring at me because I still have this big mark on my forehead and it's not going away and they're going to keep on, keep on harping on it. Um, when Absolutely. the reality is, is mo- most likely it is, it, it's, it's a, they may notice it in the moment, but then it, it, they move on to something else and probably something that's more interesting to move on to. Um, Absolutely. The other, so, so we, we talked a lot about the psychological um, approaches here, um, which I think are really important, but let's also talk, I, I would be remiss not to talk about some of the diabetes hacks and how we can help him in a more tactical way um, to be more discreet. Um, so for example, um, does he, what, does he wear a watch that has his blood sugars on it that can alert him silently to, um, his, his lows or his highs? That is one that I'm trying to convince him. Um, I'm getting close, but he's, um, he's got a lot of sensory issues as well. So, um, the weight of it, um, but we were we were trying to say that because he does have um, another a friend of his that is in the grade above, and she does wear a watch, and it is silent and and whatnot. Um, but he's more concerned about the pump alarm, okay. the alarm on the and actual the, and, on the tandem, and, and yeah, and so you can actually turn that to vibrate as well. Um, there's a, vi- a, a vibrate. We can all of them. Yep. Yeah. So you can turn the, well, you, the, the urgent low, no. So the below 55, no, but you can definitely turn the, mm-hmm. uh, the other low alert to vibrate. And, and you can actually, what you can actually do is put the alert a little bit higher. So let's say that your, his alert is usually at 70 or 75. He could actually put it at 85. And so if he, if he, if he, if it vibrates in his pocket or on his belt at 85, he can check it. And then if he's, if he wants to treat at 85, then bring it back up there. If he sees that it's, it's stable or doesn't want to treat, that's fine. But then, um, so because of course the goal 
is always not to go below 55. We don't want that to happen. Whether it's going to be embarrassing or not, that's just not a safe place to be. But if we're able to, if he's able to catch it in a discreet way before he gets even close to 55, it's able to take care of it, treat it, bring it back up. That's a way that he can deal with it. And my guess is that if he has, if he has those types of hacks, and I'm going to, I call them hacks because they're just like, you know, ways that you can do these things discreetly then he'll gain confidence in himself to be able to manage diabetes. And so that, and that confidence will translate both to his diabetes management, but also to his ability to deal with situations that like, where if he does have an alert alarm that goes off and people stare at him, he'll be able to easily make a joke about it or, or brush it off or recognize that it's not a big deal and move on. Um, but without, without confidence that he can catch his lows by himself, um, the go-to strategy is probably just to ignore it and push it away altogether. Absolutely. So. I mean, between the the um, alarms, I will definitely put them all to, you know, the, the ones I can to vibrate. That would be amazing um, because the phone is already on vibrate. So that's a good mm-hmm. thing. Um, yep. But it's convincing him to also communicate with the nurse. That's another, uh, another yeah. one. And she makes it super simple. She he she just asks for like a screenshot and then texts it to her. Um, uh-huh. But it's a, it's it's definitely a tough one. I was like, it just takes you a second. He's super fast with it too. <laughs> yeah, because there's so much middle, more text at me. So he's like, he's a much he better, better texter than we are. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, his tiny for little sure. fingers, man, can move fast, and he can. He's much more tech savvy and, and that's great when it comes to the stuff. But at the same time, he's also really great at like, you know, ignoring a text <laughs> in class. Yeah. Um, but I think if I can get him to, um, you know, get a little bit more of that confidence of like, you can do this. You're really great at um, these, these ways of communicating, you know, we, we can do it. And look at how great it can be when you when you do follow through. I'm very just hoping that we can, can uh, boost that confidence just a tad. Yeah, I hope so too. So just to wrap up today, um, the two things I would recommend is helping him to see his stories and see how and, and really test them out to see how true they are. Test them out not only for him with diabetes, um, but also with other people to see you know when when something happens with somebody else in class. Yes, of course you notice it. But how long do you notice it for? And challenge him to see, you know, why would you be different or why would your alert be different than, um, than what you're experiencing with them? You, of course, you notice it, but then you probably move on to something else because there are a lot, lot more interesting things and see what his response to that is. Um, and then, of course, always use the diabetes hacks. You know, use, we, we want to make things as simple as possible. And so there's no reason why if we can't have vibrations and things that are discreet or things that are automated, um, by all means, use them. And so... By setting his pump to vibrate, I think that that will help him to gain confidence that he'll be able to do this discreetly. Um, it won't bring attention to himself, um, but also if it does bring attention to him, he'll have the resources, the confidence he needs to be able to take care of it and move forward without without worrying. And hopefully, with a couple, a couple more years of um, of experience and age, his communication skills um, will improve. They they almost always do for for middle schoolers. So. Um, Lauren, I hope this is helpful for you. I hope that you can take these and use these in with Matthew and hopefully, and they'll give you a little bit more time back into your life. Yes, it definitely will. I really appreciate it because it it is a great way to think about 
from his perspective and, and how to, um, capture his attention just a bit and, um, reprioritize. And I think he'll be really excited to, to try these things, even just starting tomorrow. So thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. You're very welcome. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action where you can take what you learned in today's episode and apply it in your life with type 1 diabetes starting today. And here's your plan of action for this week. Test one of your stories. We tell ourselves stories all the time about type 1 diabetes, what it means about us, and what we're able to do in our lives with diabetes. And sometimes these stories are true, but oftentimes they're not. But the only way for you to believe that your story is not true and there's a different path is by testing it. So this week, I want to challenge you to identify one story and then test it to see if it's true. Do this in a safe way. Do it in a way that's not going to cause you any kind of physical or emotional challenges, but find a way to test it and see if what the story you tell yourself is the reality. And if it's not, how can you change your behavior in your life with type 1 diabetes in response to this realization and evidence that the story you tell yourself is not completely accurate. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat, so you can have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.